When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Peter Dowdell uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Peter. I was waiting for a jingle. So was I. I didn't. I just disappeared yeah. on me. I'm, I'm very well, uh, thank you. And actually, while I was waiting for the jingle to come in, I'm reading this gorgeous email that has come in, uh, dedicated to your good self from Margaret, one of our regular listeners, to say, Hi, Patricia. This is not a question for Peter, but it's a huge thank you to him for his wonderful advice every week on your programme. I've written before about my gardening efforts, and this year I went down the biodiversity route following Peter's tips. I've enjoyed a summer of bees, butterflies and birds arriving and enjoying my efforts. It was wonderful to sit and watch and to know that I've contributed in a very small way to helping them to continue their work. I must say I have really relaxed into my efforts and enjoyed the fruits of my labour and I can honestly boast that with the flowers I have the healthiest dock leaves ever. I am trying to go weed free but sure you have to admire their tenacity. Thanks Peter. I'm looking forward to getting my bulbs when I finally cut back my wildflowers and I'll start all over again again. And that's from Margaret and Donneret. Isn't that a lovely email? Isn't that lovely from Margaret? And thank you. But uh, and I'm glad, glad you're getting such enjoyment from it. And it's, you know, I, I completely understand what she's saying and concur with it. That when you sit in the middle of a garden, be it your own or any other, uh, and you're surrounded by buzzing insects and flies and butterflies and bees, it's just it's just magic. We, as, as I've said several times on this programme, Twitch, we kind of need to recalibrate ourselves into what we think is beautiful. And it's, it's the sound of insects. And it is, you know, I much rather look at green weeds as opposed to brown weeds sprayed with chemicals. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. it, we just need to kind of readjust ourselves a bit. And, uh, but, but thank you for the kind words, Margaret. Yeah, right and how, so off, well. how often have we said, learn to love the daisies in the buttercups? Yes. yes. Not, and if you remember, matter. Trish, if you remember, uh, God knows, I, I'd say it's 20 years since I started doing this with you. We'd stop counting at 20. <laughs> but um, uh, I remember back then when we were being asked questions about weeds and lawns, and I used to kind of say nearly nearly nervously and tongue-in-cheek, oh, we must learn to love the weeds in the lawn and if you can't use this weed killer or that. But now there's no tongue-in-cheek about it anymore. We have to learn yeah, to we, love we the weeds. We have no choice. OK, let's get straight into questions. Yeah. Eileen in Clan uh, says, Hi, Peter. I have both blue and white agapanthus. The blue are lovely and upright and tall, but the white ones, however, are bowed over and almost flopped down. They're in a sheltered area. Any advice from Peter as to what could be wrong? Yeah, I don't think there's anything that could be wrong as such. It's just to do with the variety, Trish. So some, there, believe it or not, there's not just one blue and one white agapanthus. There are hundreds of varieties of agapanthus, uh, all with different shades of blue, different shades of white, different flower size, different height. Uh, and some of the, 
the, the reason that, that plants are cultivated to, to give you different cultivars is for, for many reasons. It, it might be, as I say, flower shape or flower vibrancy or also in terms of the stem. It might be very rigid stems or, 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 or not. Um, so it's not that there's anything wrong. Growing in a sheltered place, it's flowering. In, in fact, it's doing so well. It's flowering so well. It's, it's physics has taken over. It's falling over with the weight of the flower. So uh, th- there's no magic wand in that that plant can, you can use on that plant to get it to fix itself. But all you can do if it really annoys you is, is stake it. So you could either stake the individual blooms with some bamboo canes, or you'll also get these, you know, they're, they're, they're designed for purpose. They're, they're kind of herbaceous plant stakes. They, they tend to be metal and that they're in kind of hoops or like arcs. So you're not actually individually tying every single flower spike to, to a bamboo. Uh, you just uh, put in these plant supports and they hold them up. And they become, because they're normally green, uh, they normally become kind of invisible in amongst the plant. But that's, that's really the only way that you can fix that, if you like. Okay. Mary in Carrigdavar, a beach hedge which we, sa- which we planted back in January of this year. When and what can I feed it with at this stage? At this stage, I wouldn't feed it with anything because we're coming into the, dare I say it, we were coming into the, you know, the autumn of the year and growth is slowing down. So you don't really want to be feeding it now to promote growth because a couple of months time we'll, we'll be heading into frost territory. So we don't want new growth really at this time of the year. So the important things to do with any new beach hedge really is water. Uh, now, we had a lot of, of rain, particularly in the first half of this year. But we've had some very, very dry weather since uh, and even though the weather isn't wonderful today, I, it, it's been, a, I think it's been nearly, it's been two weeks since we had rain nearly. It's been quite a while anyway. Um, so just pay attention to watering it. Uh, as I say, growth is going to slow down, so feeding it isn't going to be necessary. Wa- the need for water will, will reduce as well over the next couple of months uh, and nature will take over. But a very, imp- a very beneficial thing to do to it is to mulch around the base of the beach head. So if you mulch it with, it could be a bark mulch, it could be homemade compost, any kind of organic matter so if you put any a mulch of any organic material around the base of that hedge, what you're doing is you're doing a couple of things. You're number one, you're you're helping it to retain moisture uh, by by slowing the rate of evaporation from the soil. But you're also going to keep weeds at bay. Now, keeping weeds at bay is very important because weeds will actually get the rainwater before the water can go down to the roots of the hedge. So keeping weeds at bay for the first few years is very very important. And finally, well, not finally, there's two other things. Number one, as that organic matter breaks down, it improves soil texture and soil structure. But uh, what you're doing is, well, when we do get into the winter of the year, if we do get a severe frost, you're you're physically protecting the roots and the bottom part of that plant from the the worst of the frost by just putting a few inches of organic matter above it. So I think the most important thing you could do now is not feed it, but mulch it with good organic material. How do you get tomatoes to go red, says the listener? I've actually grown tomatoes for the first time. They're still green. Yeah, well, yeah, and uh, I, I, dare I say it uh, on the radio, I sold mine too late and they're hardly there at all. But anyway, um, so if they're still green, like if they're, if they're an outdoor variety, I'd be inclined to start bringing them in now because the temperatures are beginning to drop. So I bring them in now. Uh, if they're a good size in green, I bring them in. And, you know, just we've, we've given this tip before, but it does work into a brown paper bag with a banana uh, and that, that will help they're them ripen. ripen. It's like magic. Yeah, uh, if if they're indoors in a greenhouse or a polytunnel, I'd be inclined to leave them on. They'll have enough high temperatures there. They should ripen on their own. And they will eventually ripen. OK, Lorraine in Mallow, her red-hot pokers didn't flower this year. The leaves came up, but no flowers. They normally flower in August. But she's noticed this year that where they're planted, they're quite sheltered in from other shrubs and trees growing in that area. Do they need full sunlight? 
they do they do need full sun full uh full sun the red hot pokers they're native to south africa so they they're they're native to a very hot climate very sunny climate uh so when she says sheltered i'm guessing she also means they're being shaded and kind of crowded out by it so yes that is going to have an effect on it certainly but also as with any perennial if you like as it as it establishes over the years it'll benefit from being lifted during the winter months and divided because uh, the plant itself could have get got quite congested so if you lift it and divide the root system into four or five different clumps, not only have you got four or five new plants for the garden or for friends, but you're also rejuvenating the original clump that you're putting back in. You're allowing its space to develop again. So I would do that over the winter months, anytime between November and February, and then a shot of a good quality tomato food come, come next spring onwards. Okay, Mary, hi, this is from Mary. Hi, Peter. I have a camellia in a well-drained, sunny spot. Not doing too good. Hasn't been for the last three years. The buds come and then they just fall off. Yes, and I think that's probably to do with the position, actually. Camellias, whilst they, they, they don't mind sun, they, they hate to be too sunny. They, they won't thrive in an area that's... Um, south facing or east facing so if it's in a position where it's getting the 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 sunrise if you like if the early sun is hitting it uh it won't like it and equally if it's in as i say south facing where it's getting full sun nearly all day they don't like that the ideally they like to be facing west and sheltered from the early morning sun they can get sun in the evening no problem uh, and what happens is uh, camellias in fact they're probably in bud now camellias and rhododendrons and magnolias they set their their flower buds among many other plants uh, around this time of the year kind of august september time july august september uh, for opening up next year so what happens of course between now and the next spring is we get frost and we might even get snow and we get low temperatures uh, and that when the plant is open to the elements like it's open to sun but it's also open to the to the other elements during the winter what happens then is the buds that are on the tree or the shrub uh, before they open they'll just fall off so i would think that the problem here is a, a question of position and aspect so it's it's been in there at least three years because she said it hasn't been great three years so i wonder how many years it was in there before then but the reason i, I asked that is because moving a camellia does come with quite a big risk if it's established if it's only three years it should move easy enough but if it's five or more years you know there, there's quite a risk in moving it but all you can do is move it sometime december january at the coldest part of the year when the plant is totally dormant uh, take it out as big a root ball as possible and move it into somewhere where it's more sheltered from the elements Band here, listener. Question for Peter, please. Uh, the name of a product to treat moss on a gravel path. Moss on a gravel path. There's several on the market. The best thing, actually, if it's a, sorry, if I'm just thinking out loud, if it's a gravel path, moss just colonises areas that where the ground isn't being worked. So obviously, if you have soil or gravel where you're, you're not digging it, moss will, will colonise that. But you know actually just a quick rake even a couple of times a year will break up the gravel surface and that that will actually prevent it from growing in the first instance um so if if, barring that there are products on the market i'm I'm just struggling to remember the name i'm pretty sure algon a-l-g-o-n i'm pretty sure that's an irish one that is uh, if not certified organic but i think it is environmentally sound and i know i think that's the one that i've used several times and it's been quite successful but then to prevent moss coming back uh, no, you'll never prevent it coming back long term because it's just our climate. It's warm and it's damp. And as I say, if the ground isn't being worked, it will come back. But there is a good product to keep it clean for a while. And it's Moscow. Moscow do a, a probiotic moss killer. Now, it's not it's not really a moss killer. It's more moss preventative. So once you've got rid of the moss, if you put on the, the Moscow probiotic, now not the not the normal Moscow, the Moscow probiotic, uh, which is environmentally sound, that will um, that will help to keep it clean for a longer period. 
Okay, listener says, I have a Prunus Sergansen tree. No flowers on it. The top half looks dead, but the bottom is green. I planted it just last year. What would Peter think? I don't know, to be honest, without seeing it. So what it is, is a cherry blossom. I, I oh, imagine it's Prunus. Okay. Uh, the, 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 the long name is Prunus Cerulata Kanzan. I imagine that's what it is. I'm just getting uh, a photograph class- of it. It's the gorgeous cherry blossom tree. Yeah, yeah. beautiful pink cherry blossom yeah. that we all know. Um, now, it, 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 did you say how long it's there? Is it just, just last planted year? last year? Yeah, just it planted could be last year. Damage. It, it could be just that it dried out, and and that could be the issue. Um, and it most likely is that I'm afraid. Um, without seeing a photograph, it's hard to say for certain what to do. But I, I would leave it for now. But the other side of it is, you see, it could be a fungal infection affecting the, the cherry that's killing half of it and it could be spreading. So by leaving it, actually, you're just allowing that infection to spread further into the tree. So without seeing it, as I say, if it was just drought damage, I'd be inclined to leave it. But if it's a fungal infection, I would certainly be inclined to prune out any of the disease growth. Helen has a white hydrangea in the garden. As soon as the flowers bloom, the petals and the leaves on the plant turn brown and then look unsightly. Is there anything I can do? Uh, there is, it is a limey soil in the garden, in that area. The, the limey soil shouldn't bother it too much. Now, it may be, but like when, because uh, I'm often asked, with, with, you know the, the mop head hydrangeas, Trish, yeah. that we all know, you know, the, mm. the traditional mop head, and then you have the traditional lace cap hydrangeas as well. And we kind of tend to divide them into two groups, either mop head our lace cap. Well, they are all what we call, they're hydrangea macrophylla. They're species of hydrangea macrophylla. But then you have many other types of hydrangeas as well. And one is called Annabelle, which is a lovely flouncy white one with kind of lime green, very delicate foliage. And then you have paniculata types, which are limelight and things like this. Now, the reason I go through all this is um, the macrophyllas will tend to flower and keep going right into the early winter. And the, the leaves could often stay on it if it's mild, even after Christmas. But with the, with the Annabelles, and to a lesser degree with the paniculata types, the limelights and polar bear and things like that, when they flower, particularly the Annabelles, the, they're not getting enough moisture at the same time. They will shrivel up quite quickly. Even in the best conditions, Annabelles, they'll give a magnificent display, and I love them as a plant, but they're quite short-lived in terms of flower compared to the other hydrangeas. They won't keep going longer than a, a few weeks, really, let alone a few months. Um, but if they're not getting enough moisture, and particularly if they're relatively new plants, if they're not getting enough moisture at the time of flowering, that will lead to them doing what, what the caller is saying, that the petals okay. will dry off. And the, so I wonder, is it Annabelle? And I wonder, is it just a bit dry? OK, hi, uh, Patricia. Question for Peter, please. I have a lovely stargazer lily that blooms a few weeks every year. I usually don't do anything by way of cutting it back. It just seems to come back again fine every time. But I googled it and apparently I should be cutting it right back to the ground once the leaves have rotted. If this improves the plant and potentially the flowers, I'd be delighted to do it. But I'm nervous to do something so drastic in case it causes permanent damage. What would Peter advise, I'm please? I'm smiling to myself, Trish, as I'm listening, because if it's been going fine and you're doing nothing, right, and, and uh, I would be absolutely encouraging you to keep going as you are, but then you Google it and you see you're doing something yeah. wrong. Well, well, Google doesn't necessarily know more than, more than you, and if, if left to nature, plants will do all this on their own. So I suppose, yes, the correct advice is with any kind of flowering lily like that, it's like a daffodil. When, when the growth dies off and goes brown above the ground, uh, when it's brown, really, everything that's over the ground is actually dead material. It can be put into the compost bin. So whether you cut it off or whether you leave it to nature and it falls off, like the daffodils, it's really much of a muchness. So don't worry about it. 
So when, when the, the lily stem has gone brown, if for aesthetics you want to cut it down to ground level, by all means do. Uh, but if it's not bothering you, you don't have to know. The, 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 it's, the, the food reserve is the bulb for and next year. It seems to be working well for her as well. And then Alyssa wants to know, if, yeah. I, if I put up screens on every door of my tunnel, will I stop my plants getting pollinated? If you put up screens, like, like well, I mean, if it's a, a, an impenetrable screen, then yes, you, you will. If, if, if insects can't get in, yes, you will. So, no, I wouldn't advise that. Now, and even these micro mesh screens that to keep out green fly and things like that, if they're up consist- constantly, then yes, you will stop your, your other pollinators getting in. So, I would leave. Uh, apart from anything else, I think with polytunnels and glasshouses, ventilation is very, very important to prevent fungal infections as much as anything else. So yes, the answer to your question is yes, you would prevent it. Okay. All right. Listen, have a great week and uh, thanks a million for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Trish. Thanks, Talk uh, Peter. That's uh, Peter Dowdle, uh, the irishgardener.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.